0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. This morning, I want to point to you how to give God's best to others. I know that when we became Christians, it was for our benefit and for our salvation. But God says you're not done yet. God says there's lots of work to do. And so this morning... I want to touch briefly about what God's plan is for us. And it's not just for our own benefit, is it? It's for the benefit of others. The benefit of others joining the kingdom. The benefit of others being revealed God's love. And so we're going to touch on that this morning. So if you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to go through verses 8 through 12 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 12 says this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless Who do evil. What is our plan to allow God to work in our lives? First point I would make this morning is that we need to follow the prescribed sequence. So I'm going to pretend I'm a pharmacist and I'm going to write you out a prescription this morning about how we are to obtain God's peace and allow Him to work through us to teach others first of all god wants to change your life that's his goal he wants to change your life god wants to change your relationship with him from one of alienation and hostility to one that is of love and reconciliation god wants to change how you think How you do things. God wants to change how you feel. God wants to change what you desire. God wants to change how you work. God wants to change how you act. God wants to change how you love. You see, God is all about changing His children. He delights in changing those who have addiction and bondage into those who are in the incredible joy of freedom. He delights in changing marriages that are shattered. And sounds like I may have ruffled a few marriages last week. But he wants to change that in us. He wants to fill everything with suspicion into relationships that are filled with intimacy And trust. He wants to make things good. He wants to see things made right. But he can't do that unless we are willing to accept his help. You see, he delights in changing self centered souls into God centered souls. He delights in taking wounded people and healing them. He delights in taking broken people and mending them. He delights in taking guilty people and forgiving them, just as we are to forgive others. He delights in taking those cynical people. And you know what he likes to do? He likes to give them faith. And oppressed people, he likes to give them hope. God is all about change. And I know that's a four-letter word in most of your vocabularies. But change is what God seeks in all of us. But never change as end in itself. You see, the change is always aimed at changing us into the image of his son. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace of God that we brought to you and the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former, former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In other words, it says it perfect in chapter one, which we covered a few, few months back. Do not repay evil for evil, or for reviling, for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to you this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So how do we receive a blessing from God? We be a blessing to others. We give that blessing to someone else. I know we just finished up Christmas, but how many of you enjoyed more giving a gift than receiving a gift? I know I do most of the time. But this is what God is saying. If we are to be blessed ourselves, we have to bless others. We have to allow God to shine through us. We have to allow God to do what he does best. And that's to offer change in us. Some of you are saying, well, the things that have gone on in my life, I don't know that I could be a blessing to others. Absolutely, you can. And God proves it all the time. Because he's a wonderful God as obedient children do not be conformed to the passage of your former ignorance we were ignorant before we knew God and I might be so bold to say that not only because God works through everyone verses 13 through 16 in this letter mark the first time that Peter tells us what to do he gives us instruction what to do And what Peter has been doing since then is to give special words of guidance and teaching and encouragement to various groups of Christians in the churches of Asia Minor. Chapter 2, he addresses Christians as citizens and told us to relate to those in authority. Later in chapter 2, he spoke to servants and told them how to relate to their masters. And last week, we spoke how... Christian wives of unbelievers and showed them a way towards winning their husbands. And it goes the other way as well. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 7, he spoke to husbands about living wisely and considerately with their wives. And some of you I burst your bubble. That's okay. God's good about doing that too. He likes to burst our bubble sometimes. Yet before any of these commands, you have to understand that Peter begins this letter by concentrating only what God has done for us. The first 12 verses contain none of these commands. You must understand the sequence that I'm talking about here, because it reflects the very heart of what Christianity is all about. Christianity is first and foremost about what God has done. It's about what God has done. Not what exactly has changed in me, but what God has done and is going to do. Because it reflects the very heart of what Christianity is all about. Only then is Christianity about what we do. When we give it to God first, he blesses us. He blesses us in our lives. It might be uh, an opportunity through a tragedy that we speak to others. It might be an opportunity where we're walking down the street and, I don't know, you can make up an event of something that happens. And somehow that touches someone's life because they recognize there's something different about you. They realize there's something different and something that they need because they have that void in their life. God is right there to fill it. But we have to provide that opportunity for God. So we have to follow this sequence. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 we must obey see don't ever do this in reverse order if you do then you will find yourself in legalism then we start looking at the bible like oh there's all this instruction there's so much that i'm not supposed to do as opposed to things that i should be doing so we have to be really careful of that since god has given you an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you because of God's power. You are being guarded through faith. And since God is refining your faith through the fires, understand that through the fires or suffering, as it mentions in verses six and seven. So since God enables us to rejoice with joy, that is inexpressible and feel With glory. Why do we have troubles? Why do we go through certain things that just seem impossible? To the glory of God. Since God has provided you with salvation that the Old Testament prophets want you to look into. Have to understand this. Behavior always follows grace. So none of the character traits that Peter is commanding us to in today's verses can be done without grace. Cannot be done. God says you must follow my commands. Only then and then can I work through you. Can I demonstrate my grace? So what are some common traits of Christians? I'm sure it's different for each and every one of us in this room. But what are some common traits of Christians? You have to understand, Peter is calling us to do some things here. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind. When we come here on Sunday mornings, are we of one mind? Now, some of you are probably thinking, man, I can't wait to get to that soup. I join you in that sentiment. But that's not what God's talking about here. This is not what Peter is commanding us to do here. He's saying we are to be of one mind. Understanding the purpose of why we sit where we're sitting. Understanding that it goes beyond that. That it's not just to come, sit, be fed, and then uh, see you next Sunday. No. God is calling us to action. To be... One of mind to show sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. How do we do that if we're just sitting there being fed? How are we going to accomplish what God has called us to do when we're not even in action? We are called to action. 1 Peter 3.8, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And then in verse 11, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You see, Peter tells us that certain characteristics consist with all Christians. And these characteristics are to be lived out in the What we would call a petri dish of care groups, Sunday school groups, small groups, Sunday school groups, whatever we're involved with, whatever kind of ministry that we are tending to or that we're attempting to try to do. We have to be of one mind. We have to be people of action. And we have to allow God to do that action. Because believe me, like me this week when I had no energy, I was (laughs) trying to be a man of action. But it was difficult. But you have to force yourself. You have to understand that this is something that we're going to battle against ourselves. But God provides a way. If our church involvement is only this. Worship. Coming in on Sunday mornings. There is little chance that you and I are going to have the opportunity to practice these character traits. It's great to come into worship together. It's great to celebrate with the saints. But that's just part one. Part two comes Monday morning. When we're going to work. Some of us are not working. Maybe we're talking with our spouse, talking with our kids. God provides opportunities all the time. Are your eyes open to see them? Peter tells us that we all have consistent characteristics. But I want you to notice in verse 8, it's not five things to do, but five things to do. To be, Peter doesn't give you a to-do list or a to-be list. So he says we need to be unified in mind, to be like-minded or united in spirit. Harmony does not suggest uniformity of thought as we had to check our opinions at the door. Rather, it's implying that we have a common mindset born of shared kingdom Values, But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Matthew 16, 23. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, there is a humility to this like-mindedness, so much so that even If we embrace the truth of Christ and his cross in arrogance, we have simply denied it. This is not something we approach with uh, pride. We don't approach this with, you know, cockiness. Understand that this is all about giving glory to God allowing him to do what he said he was going to do, and he knows he's going to do it. But somehow we're always fighting against that. So when we come, we need to be of one like mind. He also says we need to show sympathy. How do we show sympathy? Sympathy simply means to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, we should all rejoice together. People who have true sympathy generally do not say, I know how you feel. We're good at doing that. I know how you feel. I understand how you feel. Do you? Do you? because since they know how you feel they also know how unhelpful it is to hear someone say i know how you feel you see true sympathy is a fairly quiet it's time intensive it's presence intensive way of being when john haley was a boy growing up in argentina his family decided to take a vacation to the second largest waterfall in the world, which is located between Argentina and Brazil. His family decided to camp above the falls, and unbeknownst to them, that night something crawled in John's right ear. The next day, as the family was viewing the falls from the platform, John suddenly felt an excruciating pain in his ear, and and he began screaming, bloody murder. The pain was terrible, and there was nothing anyone else could do about it. Fortunately, after a few minutes, the pain subsided, and he calmed down. But then an hour later, that terrible pain began again, and John started screaming once more. And this would happen every couple of hours over the next day. So his parents finally had to take him to the nearest hospital. And John's mother and John went in, and while his dad and his twin brother Mark... They stayed in the car, and while they were in the examination room, the doctor pulled out his instrument to look inside of his ear. To everyone's amazement, the doctor told him, you've got a spider in there. Hmm, no thanks. He told him he's got a spider in his ear. Turns out that it had been biting his eardrum, and that's what had been causing his pain. Unfortunately, the doctor couldn't get the spider out. Needed some rain, right? Children's story. So after several different attempts, he finally simply had to kill it and leave it there. Anyway, as John's mother paid the bill, he got in the car and sat next to his twin brother. And John writes the following words about this ordeal. He says, now picture the scene. I've just gone through a fairly traumatic ordeal for a young boy, and I'm kind of whimpering, trying to my hardest not to cry. Next to me is my twin brother, Mark, obviously moved by my pain. Suddenly my dad says to me, you know, while you were in there suffering, your twin brother was out here crying for you. That did it. We both burst into tears. Which leads into the next point that God says we are commanded to do, and that is to show brotherly love. Ephesians chapter 4 says it clearly in verse 32, but also in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God and then Ephesians 4 be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you when you think of someone in your Sunday school class think of them not as a distant person but in the inner circle don't view each other as strangers or as mere acquaintances or distant relatives view each other as close family and I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because we have really good Sunday school classes and we have great relationships to one another how many of you are calling your fellow Sunday school students or friends during the week how many of you are checking up on them Say, hey how's it going or is it you just, you catch up on Sunday morning? See, God is telling us we have to be people of action to show brotherly love. We can't do that by showing up once a week and expecting that everything is going to be righted in those few hours that we spend with one another. This is an ongoing process. This is an ongoing thing constantly, every single day in our lives. You see, it's the words that a husband said to a wife and a parent said to a child, what an awful thing it would be if we didn't check on one another. What an awful thing it would be if we didn't understand one another. Because I know we, we come in here sometimes and people ask, well, how you doing? Fine. I'm okay. My wife asks that question every five minutes. Are, are you okay? Are you fine? Yes. I'm okay. And sometimes we just go through the motions and we say, yeah we're fine, we're okay, but we're really not. We're really not okay. We're not willing to allow ourselves to have that intimate relationship with someone. But I would venture to say that is kind of like our Christianity and our walk with God, that we're not willing to confess to God that we're not okay. Even though God knows we're not okay, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to divulge everything that is to know about us. And it's for the reason for him to do that thing in us that we don't like. And that's change. He wants to change us. Family can have some pretty serious squabbles and exchange some very harsh words. But only in the rarest cases does the family break up over it. But it does happen. I can attest to you for that. It does happen. So what must we do? Peter commands us to have a tender heart. It's not a word about conduct first, but about your insides. It literally, your innards your belly. The word in Greek is eskolosno. I know, excuse you. Right? The literal translation of the Greek here means to feel generous in your belly. Be well disposed to each other from deep within. Expose yourself. Be vulnerable, he says. It's exactly the opposite of hypocrisy that acts tender and feels malice. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Have you ever engaged with someone and tried to outdo them constantly? This is what God is telling us to do in our relationships. Outdo your wife. Gentlemen, if you want to get back at them, and especially after last week, outdo them in kindness. Show them you've got the upper hand. Show them that you're the leader in that relationship. Be overly kind. Be the one that steps in when no one else wants to. And ladies, do the same. Try to be more kind to your husband. Even when he doesn't deserve it. But that's what God is showing us. We need to have a tender heart. We need to let our love be genuine. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek To show hospitality. We also have to have a humble mind. Peter begins verse with the mind and now he closes attention to the mind. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we'll go into that later on. Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Peter has learned this the hard way because he's let his pride crush him. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. The other thing we need to watch, and it's a tough one, but I know all of us struggle, is with the tongue. With the words that we say. And sometimes it's the words that we don't say that hurt the most. In a lifetime, you and I could fill a library with the words that we have said. It is estimated that the average person says around 30,000 words every day. Some of you would beg to differ. I get told all the time, why don't you talk more? I have smaller shelves in my library. Verbal violence that is deliberately calculated to hurt the other person oftentimes is unintentional. Yet, it is done with a callous insensitivity. This is only done to people that we know well. Have you noticed that? That sometimes you treat strangers... Better than you treat your own spouse, you treat your family differently, exact same situation, same circumstances, but somehow you deal with it a lot differently if it was your own kin. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not birdie his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Worthless. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We must be careful with the things that we say. Is God speaking for you, or are you speaking for yourself? You see, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Compare these words to James 3, chapter chapter 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Most of you know, most, some of you are baseball fans in here, but Jackie Robinson was the first black major league baseball player. And he was the victim of racial hatred nearly everywhere he played baseball. And even when he took off the uniform, there was racism in his life. There were fastballs thrown at his head, Curses and slurs hurled at him from the dugouts and stands. Those of you who have seen the movie, it depicts it very well. But one day, playing at home in Brooklyn, Jackie Robinson made several critical errors. The taunts and jeers from the tongue surfaced even from his own fans. Teammate and shortstop Pee Wee Reese surveyed the situation, and he walked over to Robinson And placed his arm around his shoulder. And Reese simply stood there until the booze subsided. And this gesture spoke eloquently to the crowd more than any words. Jackie Robinson later said that Reese's arm around him saved his career. Understand this. The church should be a place where we have an arm around somebody's shoulders. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. We need to prepare ourselves to allow God to give his best to others. Thirdly, this morning, we must not seek revenge. Do not seek revenge. A man who allegedly schemed to have a baby with his wife and then kill the infant to exact revenge for her and not comforting him after his father's death. Ronald Schanabarger, a 29-year-old tire factory worker, allegedly confessed to police that he held a grudge against his then-girlfriend for not cutting short a vacation cruise to comfort him when his father died in October 1996. The story is very harsh, and it is a harsh story. Reality, But these are the things that we deal with. These are the things and tragedies and unfair circumstances that Satan likes to use to deter us from God's end goal here. Goes on to say, Schoenberger said he planned to make Amy feel the way he did when his father died. He married her got her pregnant, and allowed time for her to bond with the child, and then took his life. His wife, who had been working at her cashier's job, discovered the boy when she got home dead in his crib. Initially, it was thought that Tyler died from SID, or Sudden Infant Syndrome. But Shannonberger, apparently haunted by the sight of his son's lifeless face, admitted after the funeral that he had murdered the boy. How is a mother and a family to deal with such behavior? But you see, Peter has spoken of trials since the very beginning of this letter. One of the trials we go through is the desire for revenge when we are wronged. Part of why the movies Unforgiven and Braveheart received Academy Awards for Best Picture was that so many could identify with the desire to get even. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, we must bless. For to this we were called, that we might obtain a blessing. For to you this we have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Bottom line is if you want to know your calling in life, here it is in two texts in First Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3 to endure unjust suffering patiently. Tough, right? To endure suffering, unjust suffering. Patiently, and to bless those who do you evil and revile you. That's our calling. That's what Sunday School exists for. To help each other become a people who live that way for the glory of Christ who lived and died that way. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Church, don't avenge yourselves. Do not avenge yourselves. Leave it To God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not even the Gentiles do the same? We see how the last part of verse 9 fits in here. The crucial last phrase when Peter says in verse 9, Bless, for to this you were called. And he adds that you may obtain a blessing. So when he says that, he shows that our blessing others is one of the conditions we fulfill so that we inherit our blessings in the ages to come. It is the same as Jesus' beatitude where he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Showing mercy to others is a condition for the final great receiving of mercy from God. But understand this you are not alone. You are not alone. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Richard Nixon served as our 37th president of the United States, and he was a polarizing figure who won the presidential office by a landslide. And then Of course, we know he later resigned in disgrace just 21 months late in his second term. His disgrace culminated with the Democratic Party getting their man, Jimmy Carter, into the White House. The victory of the Democrats came about because they learned of the attempts where their conversations were to be bugged. Watergate occurred on June 17, 1972, when five men attempted to break into the Democratic National Headquarters in Washington's Watergate Complex, And I know you know the story, well, at least most of you. But, you know that the men were arrested after police were notified by an alert security guard as they were in possession of cameras and electronic surveillance surveillance equipment. They were suspected of attempting to tap the telephones there in order to gain the upper hand on the Democratic campaign. Does this sound familiar? Does this still go on today? Why? Because people will not allow God to make change. God is willing. He is ready to receive us. But we continue to fight. If we are going to win the battle of mastering our mouths... It will come when we realize that God is bugging our conversations. There is nothing we hide from him. Nothing. Listen to the words of Jesus. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Bottom line is we need to live. According to God's way. And check this out. Other people are going to take notice, one way or the other. One way or the other. People are going to take notice. The kind of life that we've been talking about this morning is so contrary to the way people normally live in our culture. They're not very neighborly, they're not tender hearted, they don't show sympathy. All they care about is themselves. People are naturally going to want to know what it is that allows us to live the way that we do. So they're going to ask us for the reason, for the hope that seems to be within us. Therefore, I must be prepared to tell them why I live for Jesus. You must be ready and prepared to tell others why you live for Jesus. We clearly see here that when we live according to God's way and return blessing for evil, God not only blesses you, but he uses that kind of lifestyle to bless others through you. Sometimes I think we make evangelism and sharing our faith with others much more complicated than it really needs to be. But on the other hand, I think there's a lot of Christians who have not done what they need to do in order to be ready to give that rational explanation of why they are a Christian when others ask them about it. We must equip the saints. How do we do that? We need to be people of action. We need to understand that God has a plan for each and every one of us, and it's not just to sit here on Sundays. It's not just to show up for Sunday school. These are wonderful things, and this is how we equip the saints. But what good of you as a piece of equipment if you're not being used? Equipment is made to be used to accomplish a purpose. We as Christians are put on this earth to serve God. So let's serve. Let's begin doing what we've been called to do. And believe me, this doesn't require a seminary degree. pastor will attest to this as well as I will. It's just a piece of paper. People ask me all the time, what did you learn in seminary? (laughs) I learned that I know nothing. (sighs) I learned that I'm in the same boat as you. I just spent a little extra money for a piece of paper. But I'm humbled by it. I understand that there's so much to learn. There's so much that God can be doing and will be doing if I allow him to do so. He wants to do the same for you. He wants you to understand that he is a God of love and he loves you. He understands your circumstance even when others don't. And he he wants to work change in you, not just for your benefit, but so that he can use you as that piece of equipment. And bring others to him. That's the point. Doesn't require that degree. Or even formal training. God uses children. Constantly. As if to tell adults. Hey. Wake up. If I can do it through him or her. I can do it through you too. You see it merely requires that each of us understand. What we believe about Jesus why we believe that and how we believe it and how following jesus has made a positive impact in our lives and then we take it to the next step and we're able to articulate that to others there's no doubt that it is easy to look around at the world and get angry we live in a culture that isn't very hospitable to genuine disciples of jesus for the most part So even when we do good, the people around us still often revile us and try to hurt us. And it's so easy to give into that anger and to respond in kind. But Jesus has called us to live differently. He has called us to bless our enemies and to love those enemies in the same way that he loved us when we were his enemy. There isn't a single person here this morning that can do that on his or her own. I can't do that and neither can you. But when we choose to honor Jesus as Lord by fearing his displeasure more than I fear the disdain of man, when I choose to live like Christ because only Christ matters, then he will empower and enable us to live like that. Can you imagine the impact that we could have, especially in our culture as disciples of Jesus, if we lived our lives like that on a consistent basis? Can you imagine how many people would want to know what or who is in our lives that enables us to live that kind of life? in which we bless people even when they appears on the outside, they don't deserve it? What would it look like? Can you imagine how many opportunities we would have to tell people about the reason for the hope that is in us? Sign me up. Action. Action. We need to be people of action. And as we close this morning, I want to encourage all of us to consider doing two things as a result of what we've learned this morning. First, if you've never done it before, memorize a few scriptures. Memorize a few scriptures that you can use to communicate the gospel to others. And you also need to develop your testimony so that you'll be prepared to share with others the reason You have hope in you. Again, if you need help with that, we have people here ready to help develop that in you. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is something that I was personally challenged to do by a suggestion that I came across in my study this week. And that is I'm going to encourage all of us to begin our day every day this week by praying something like this. Dear Lord. Lead me to the person that you want me to bless through my life today. How can I make myself an instrument for your will? And if we can start doing that, hold on to something because you're going to see some change. And that's it. This is what God has called us to do. This is our purpose. To his will only. Amen. David, come. Lead us in our benediction, please. Living these traits, not easy, we know that, but we can grow stronger in doing so when we acknowledge each morning and each evening this. He is Lord. see sí. father thank you for our time together lord we want to thank you in advance for the opportunities that you will lay before us to allow others to see your mercy and grace through us lord help us to recognize those opportunities and to run to them and not run away help us put our faith in you our trust in you more importantly our love with you Let us be an example of what it means to have hope. Let us be an example of what it means to live a Christian life. Why it's so different from everything else and why it's so desired when people look upon it. Lord, we know we're going to face challenges. We know that we're going to be knocked down. But Lord, you are right there to pick us up. And so we love you and we love you that you love us even though we don't deserve it. Thank you for our time here. And Lord, as we go and partake in our fellowship, I pray that you bless the food to our bodies and to the enjoyment of the afternoon. And Lord, as we do so, as we talk with one another, help us to treat each other as family. As we grow together in you and given those opportunities to spread your word and to reveal the gospel to those who desperately need it. Thank you again for our time and all of God's people sins. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, "If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved." If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church when California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.